0: Uh, Last week we looked at the question that a lot of people seem to be asking. Are we living in the last days? And is this the end of the world as we know it? Something that I touched on last week is that at some level it is. You know, that things are changing in society all the time. And with the introduction of the automobile, um, I don't think any of y'all were around when that came in, but it radically changed the world. It was the end of the world as we knew it then. And then when the internet came in and man, all of a sudden, it's the end of the world as you know it. When you get married, it's the end of the world as you know it. Um, In a very positive way, all of those things, right? Um, And... And so it's kind of been at the forefront recently, but one of the things that I've kind of recognized is that it's really not at the forefront of everybody's conversation. In fact, I was talking with a couple this week and I was talking to them about the 23rd. You know, yesterday was kind of a big day that people were wondering, is Christ gonna come back on September 23rd? And man, I'm always ready for him to come back, always excited about it. But I was talking to them about it and they were like, yeah, no, we haven't actually heard anything about that. And and so I recognize that this is, Kind of depending on the circle that you run in, it's kind of one of those things that you're, it's either at the forefront of your mind and you're thinking about it, or you're doing this series and you're kind of like, okay, I'm not sure I understand all of this. And what my desire in doing this series really isn't to do a deep um, teaching on eschatology, which is just the study of end times. I think it's an incredibly important thing for us as believers to do, but I think it's probably through a small group that we need to do it, so there's more of a question-answer time. And In fact, um, if you have not um, ever led a connect group, but you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to do that, come up and see one of the staff members at the end of the service and say, you know what, I'm, I might be interested in doing something like that. We can maybe talk you through that and maybe help you understand how important that might be, but my desire really is just to give you hope. To really give you hope, because we do live in a time when things can seem a little bit hopeless at times. And when you start talking about the end times a lot of time, it kind of creates a lot of anxiety for people. Um, Even people who actually know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I've been raised in church all my life. And um, in fact, I was telling them in the first service that my church when I was little began a, um, an attendance thing that if you came every Sunday in a year, they gave you a pin at the end of the year. My family, most of my family made it through six years without ever missing a Sunday in church. So I'm, I'm pretty radical and passionate about faithfulness to the house of God. And, and I honestly had to get over some legalism about it. But at the same time, I recognize that this is an incredible opportunity today for me to worship God, to experience some relationship with many of you. And, and so um, I've been raised in church all my life, and as we were, as they would talk about the end times, it would create a lot of anxiety in my heart and life. Is anybody with me? You kind of know what you're talking about. In fact, I grew up with movies like A Thief in the Night. Now, some of you may remember this, and it happened way back in the 70s when I was like one years old. Actually, I was probably about 10 years old. But The Thief of the Night was about the rapture of the church, which is going to take place at some point. The Bible talks about it in Thessalonians, that, that God is going to come and snatch away the church. And it was a movie about that, and then the, the, what happened if you were left behind? And all the things that were going to be happening if you left behind. In fact, there's there's been a series of movies called Left Behind, and a, a whole series by Tim LaHaye that are fictional movies about something very real that is going to take place at someday. So, by show of hands, how many of you grew up hearing a lot of messages on the end times? Can I get you to raise your hand up? All right. Look around real quick and see everyone. All right. How many of you like me? It really freaked you out. Yeah, it really freaked you out. In fact, some of you, as we're talking about some of this, it kind of freaks you out. And the reason why it freaked me out then was because I didn't really understand salvation then. The way that I was raised was you were saved when you gave your life to Christ, but every time you sinned, you became unsaved. Therefore, you had to go back, confess your sins to God, and become saved again. I know some of you were not raised that way, and that's that's hard for you to comprehend, but a lot of you were, and you're going, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. So it meant every time that you did something wrong, you had just been saved, and now you weren't saved, and then you had to go back and give your life to Christ. So I just knew that I was going to say, think, or do something at just the wrong moment, and the Lord was going to come back in the next split second, and I was going to get left behind. I wasn't going to make the rapture. You need to know that's not right. You need to know, first of all, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have been totally forgiven of all of your sins, past sin, present sin, and future sins. Now that's hard for you to understand, but you need to know that every sin that you've already committed in your lifetime was a future sin when Christ forgave you. And when Christ forgave you 2,000 years ago and you received the blood of Jesus Christ in your life, you literally became the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't become more righteous than you are right now. Now, your deeds can get more righteous, but who you are in Christ Jesus can't get any more righteous. So, because I was raised that way, it freaked me out all the time. I literally was living in fear all the time that I was going to think something wrong, die, and then suddenly not make eternity. In fact, it didn't help that there was a song by Larry Norman, and and many of you know it, by DC Talk, that was called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. And it went like this, life was filled with guns and war, and everyone got trampled on the floor. Isn't this encouraging? I wish we'd all been ready. And that was the the theme of the song, I wish we'd all been ready. So it was always bouncing around in my mind. So as when I was younger, if I would ever come home, and my mom was supposed to be home, and she wasn't there, I knew immediately what had happened. The rapture had taken place, and I had missed it. And some of you know what I'm talking about, and you're feeling this right now as I'm saying it. In in fact, my son Christian. Um, One time I left him at home um, on accident we had had a bunch of family in town So there were about six boys staying at our house on a Saturday night And Sundays are kind of crazy around our house on Sunday morning And and I'd gotten all the kids up said hey get up get up get up get up get up Then they all supposedly got up we got in the car I don't know why anybody else didn't miss him But we left went to church I preached got done went up to the children's ministry and said hey I'm here to get my son Christian and he goes Christian didn't come today Pastor Richie I am totally panicked and freaking out, thinking, what on earth? Well, I look at my phone, and I see that I've missed three phone calls from him. And so I listen to the first message, and it's, Dad, where are you? (laughs) He told me later that he thought the rapture had taken place, (laughs) and he had missed it. You know, in fact, it's funny, thinking about the 23rd, you know, yesterday I have a lot of friends that, man, it, they knew this was going to be the day. I was wanting so much to just, whenever somebody would text me, hey, are you still here, kind of joking around, send back something in brackets, say auto-reply, <laughs> hey, I've gone in the rapture and I must have had my phone in my hand and it went with me, <laughs> you know, just to really kind of freak people out for a little bit, but... but we, we don't really want to scare people, but, but what was funny is that Christian, even though he was scared at first, he must have gotten more comfortable in the eternal security that he has as a believer, because the second phone call was, hey, Dad, how do I turn on the PS2? You know, so he kind of got over it real quickly, and when I was younger, we used to sit around and talk about the rapture. We used to talk about the end times, cause seriously... That, that um, Thief in the Night movie, I think it was one of four movies that we saw within a couple of years, so there was this constant anxiety, and we would like be sitting around the campfire camping or something, and we would talking about, talk about how horrible it was going to be if you got left behind, all the different things that were going to happen, and how we didn't want to be left behind, and literally, the more we talked about it, the more afraid we became, because we would, we would dream up things that weren't even in the Bible that were going to happen, and... The, the one thing that, that I kind of began to find a little comfort in was the fact that I recognized I was probably living a little bit better than the rest of my friends, so I thought if they make it i 'm going to make it, or I thought if i don't make it they 're not making it either, so at least i 'll have somebody here while i 'm going through <laughs> the tribulation. How many of you know that misery loves company, right so there 's been a lot of talk and a, a, lot of, a lot of talk about again about the end times, the things that are going on right now and, and trying to help people become more aware and understand things, sometimes people start assigning dates. Like, I don't think that I heard anybody say it's for sure September 23rd, but there were a lot of people that just kind of knew for sure it was going to be September 23rd. That's why I said last week, hey, if you come back next Sunday, I'll tell you whether or not it was September 23rd. It wasn't, by the way. Um, That's why we're all still here. And it's kind of interesting as I was um, doing my message this week, I wrote down in my notes, obviously it wasn't September 23rd. And then I thought, well, what if it is? And um, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and change my notes, you know, for a Sunday. And then I thought, no, I won't actually be here, so it won't really matter anyway. And then on top of that, I sent my notes to the staff ahead of time, said, hey, just in case I make the rapture and you all don't, here's a message that you can preach on Sunday. So, so it, 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 it's not a good thing for us to try to decide this is when Jesus is coming. But it is a good thing for us to be aware of the season. For us to be aware that the the return of Jesus Christ is imminent, meaning it could happen before the Cowboys have to play again tomorrow night, all right? Last week, I was a lot more confident in that, but it it could come at any time, and so we want to be prepared, and we want to make sure that we're, we're prepared, that we understand this, and yet we're not living in fear and anxiety, and when people start saying this is the time, you, you need to recognize that they can't be accurate in that. Let me show you why. Because I want to remind you of a verse that I shared last week. Jesus is talking about his return and he says this. But about that day, talking about his coming the, or the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. This is talking about Jesus himself, but only the Father. I do believe that Jesus right now is sitting in the presence of God. He's set, the Bible says he's seated at the right hand of God. And he's looking at God and he's looking at us and he's saying, God, is it time yet? God, I'm ready to go and get my bride. I'm ready to go get my, my, my bride and, and bring them to be with me. You know, God loves to spend time with you. You know, it, 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 um, it hurts his heart and he's not mad at us, but it, it hurts his heart when we only work him into our life occasionally. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to walk with us day in and day out. He wants us to invite him into our decisions that we're making and walk with him. So he's poised, ready to go. And I think, the reason why I think that he is poised and ready to go is because we live in a very unique generation. We really do. I talked talk about this Last week, but I want to just recap real fast And the first one is the worldwide financial technology that we have It it has not been that long ago where where technology has advanced so much now That there literally is going to be the bible says that the in in the end times during the tribulation There's going to be a one-world economy They're all going to be we're all going to be sharing for instance the dollar or the yen or whatever it's going to be There's going to be a one-world economy that couldn't have happened just a generation ago Um, The worldwide satellite technology, that today, that that we have the ability to be here, but literally see things in real time as they're happening around the world. And the Bible talks about the killing of the two witnesses, that the whole world is going to see it happen. So we live in very unique times, and there are extraordinary things happening right now. All the earthquakes and tornadoes, and, and it's not just that there are signs being fulfilled, it's that multiple signs are being fulfilled right now as we're talking. So the question is, what are we to do? If, If this is the end of the world as we know it, what are we to do? Well, last week we talked about the fact that we are to understand the times that we're in and we are to know what to do. It's important that you and I understand the times that we live in, because there are going to be people in your life that do not have a biblical frame of reference that you're going to be able to help them understand this is all supposed to be happening, that the end is coming, but God's coming back for his people. And we need to know what it is that we are to do, because what we don't need to do right now is be freaked out. You don't need to be afraid and anxious. Listen, when you get rooted and established in the love of God and you know that God loves you, you know that you can go through anything and that because God loves you, he's going to watch out for you. He's going to take care of you. And so we we don't need to be freaked out. But listen, we don't need to be just sitting around either. This isn't a time just to sit around and not do anything. It's not, not a time where we can be confused by a lot of things going on. that We're adding confusion to the process. But what the Lord's return should do, and we talked about this last week, is it should comfort us. When you know that God's a good God, I can't wait for Him to come back. I love my life. I am married to the most amazing woman in the world. I get, I get to pastor you guys. I get all these amazing blessings in my life. But as good as this is, it pales in comparison to heaven. So it should comfort us, people that have died that we miss, that that we're going to get to see them again. This morning before the first service, I was praying with a pastor friend of mine. He was one of the pastors that participated with us in the Houston Relief, and this past week, one of his best friends, they are working together, and they're doing doing some, um, throwing away some things, and suddenly he just dropped dead from a heart attack like that. I told him today, I said, man, as tragic as that is, I want you to know that he's gone before you. He's probably checking out the golf green so that when you guys get up there, you're going to be able to golf together and hang out together. He's in a place where he has no more pain, sorrow, or suffering. So it should comfort us. It should prepare us. It should make us very uniquely focused in what we're doing. We should recognize that our time is short here. Even, even if the Lord does not come back in our lifetime, think about how much time that you have in comparison to eternity. I heard eternity explain like this one time, that if a bird in our world, were to pick up just one small tiny grain of sand and fly all the way to the moon as fast as a bird can fly and deposit that grain of sand, would come all the way back and do it again and again till all the sand was gone from the face of the earth, eternity would have just begun. Wow, that's a long time. So it matters what we're doing. So are we living in the last days? You know what, I'm not sure, but man, I hope so. I can't wait for the Lord's return. So last week we talked about what Jesus had to say about the end times and what Paul had to say about the end times. And so today I want to unpack what Peter has to say about the end times. And and the first thing that, that Peter has to say is that we should think clearly. That what you and I should do as followers of Jesus Christ is that we should think clearly. In fact, in 1 Peter 4, 7, it says, the end of all things is near. Now, that's the context. He's coming back soon. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded. In other words, think clearly so that you may pray. Notice that last phrase there, so that you may pray. I want you to know today that the key to thinking clearly is, is that you pray. Let me explain it this way. Prayer should be the moment in your day when your realities get a realignment. Now, in our lives... Our realities are always reality, right? Have you ever just been really anxious about something and you get the little chicken little syndrome? The sky is falling, the sky is falling, and people are looking next to you going, what on earth are you talking about? One person said something bad about you, the sky is not falling. And sometimes our realities are not really reality. They're a perception that we have, and while they feel real, prayer is a time when our realities get a realignment. Prayer is the time when things get real, realign listen I often when I go into a prayer time I feel a little anxious about stuff I do I feel a, a little bit fearful or frustrated about some things going on around me and I typically have stuff on my prayer list that I think that God needs to be told about God do you see what's going on God do you see what they're saying God do you see what's happening God do you see what's doing and and See, when I come to church every Sunday, sometimes my week has been a little bit crazy. That is my reality. In fact, this sometimes takes me a worship song or two to kind of go, okay, I guess I am saved, and I guess I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Pastor Richie, that, absolutely, because our, our realities get mixed up all the time. It's one of the things I love about our services It's one of the reasons why you need to show up as often as you possibly can because sometimes your reality has gotten skewed and it's off and you're you're, you're thinking wrong, you're dealing with negative issues, you're saying wrong things over your life and you get back in and you start unintentionally sometimes singing the praises of God, talking about the goodness of God and you remind yourself, oh, and suddenly you feel the burdens lifted and the heaviness lifting off your life. That's so why I love our prayer services. That's what I love about prayer and the Word is that it's a realigning time in your life. That's what prayer should produce in your life is a realignment. In other words, you come to a place in prayer in a time with God where you get to understand the heaven realities, not the earthly realities. Are you all hearing that? Prayer is not a place where you inform God about things going on in the earth. It's where he gets to inform you about things that are going on in heaven. So I always start my time in prayer by thanking God. Listen, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Well, Pastor Richie, I've never sat next to him. In the spirit, you can. Which, by the way, you actually are a spirit being that happens to have a human body. You're not a human being that happens to have a spirit. We need to understand that our spirit is the thing that is actually going to live forever. So you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Colossians 3 says, to set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Now that doesn't mean that I just have to have just an eternal perspective, though I do think that's important, but it means when I go to the Lord in prayer, I get my eyes off the things of the earth and my things to the things of heaven. See, when I go to God in prayer, the Bible says that we enter his gates with grumbling, griping, and complaining, that that's the... Actually, that's not true for those of you that didn't know that. The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So the key to getting into the gate in the first place is thanking God. Thank you, God, that you're big enough. Thank you, God, that even what I'm walking through, you're more than able to help me through it. Listen, we thank God in all circumstances, not for all circumstances, but in all circumstances. And it's the key to getting access into the throne room of God. So I begin in in prayer, and as I spend that time in prayer, what happens typically is my problem is big, but my God is small. I start speaking the promises, and it goes, my problem is big, my God is small. My problem is big, my God is small. My problem is big, my God is small. My small, my My problem is small, my God is big. My problem is small, my God is big. There's a realignment in my mind simply by connecting in prayer to the promises of God. And what happens when I begin to pray and press into the promises of God is all the distractions of the enemy, which by the way, the enemy's distracting you all the time. Some of you now it's with your Facebook page or the new pop-up that just came up on your phone right now. I know the rest of I know y'all are just taking notes, but in that first service, they might have been distracted. He's trying to distract you all the time. Because he recognizes that the words of life will change your life. And if you only hear the the negative things and you speak the negative things, all the time you get stuck. So when you start declaring the promises, the fog in your mind begins to disappear and your mind becomes clear. Is this making sense today? So we get clear-minded because, again, it's what we should do at the end times. Here's the second thing that we should do. We should focus on relationships. Listen. It's about people. People. It is. Well, Richie, if we're in the end times, what matters most? People. Well, how can you say that? Because people are the only thing that goes to heaven. I know some of you believe all dogs go to heaven, and that's kind of a theology you have to work out yourself. But people are the only thing that goes to heaven. Everything else gets left behind. People last forever. That's why we should focus on people. And by the way, I'm talking about all people. I'm talking about people that you really connect with and people you don't connect with. I'm talking about people that you think are good and people that you think are bad. I'm talking about people that you think are hard workers and people that you think are lazy. I'm talking about people that you love to spend time with and people that drive you crazy. We need to focus on people. So listen, we care about the people of Amarillo. We care about the people of Amarillo, right? not just me we care about the people of Amarillo and listen when it boils down to it it's all about helping them find a friend Jesus for the end of the world that no matter what they're walking through in their world when their world changes whether it's the rapture or just something changes and it's very tumultuous in their life if they've got a friend in Jesus they recognize they're going through a storm but they're getting to the other side it's about helping people find a friend why because we care about people that's why we do Serve Day, to help families in need in our community here in Amarillo. That's why we sent supplies and money to the people of Houston, because we care about people. In fact, this past week, we spent, sent $6,500 to two different churches in Houston. And that's awesome, you guys. We care about people. That's why we support missionaries. Like in Brazil, we just sent a team there to Brazil. we we got missionaries in Africa. We've got missionaries in Mexico. I'm, I'm talking with a friend of mine right now who is actually a missionary to Turkey. And, man, you talk about a godless nation that needs the love and hope of Jesus Christ. We care about people. Listen, we care about each other. That's why we get in small groups. All right, y'all, y'all are going to have to help me out. We care about people. That's why we get in small groups. This semester, we have over 500 people in over 50 small groups happening in our church this semester. Listen, why do you need to get into one? Because you were never intended to live your life alone. You need people in your life that can help you with your blind spots. And listen, if you only have a select few friends that you spend time with and that's it, what we typically do is we gravitate towards people that think like us, look like us, and act like us. That means you're probably all sharing the same blind spot. In other words, y'all got the proverbial hanger together and no one's telling you about it because y'all think that's the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to have a couple of hangers hanging down there. You have some blind spots. Listen, we all need a place where we can take off the mask. You need some people in your life that I can say to you, listen, can I get real with you about what's going on in my life? We we all need this because check this out, you're going to fall. Come on, pastor, be more positive, okay? I'm positive you're going to fall. Every one of us are going to fall. We're going to miss the mark. And listen, Ecclesiastes says that when you fall, woe to the man who falls but doesn't have anyone to help pick him up. Listen, sometimes we fall and we can get back up. And we've all done that. In fact, we've all done that this week. But there are some falls that are so devastating that you cannot get back up from it unless someone were to help you. And that's why our connect groups help you to find freedom because there are some of you that have fallen and you're still down and you don't know that you're down, but you're still down and you need someone to come along and say, listen, I walked through that too. I went through that. Listen, you can overcome that today. That's why Peter continues his narrative related to the end times. And above all, love each other. That's why we just did that series on that I love my church, that when the love of God gets in us, the love of God gets out of us. And any time love is not coming out of my life, I need to recognize I'm focused on the wrong things. I need to go back in the prayer time so I'm clear-minded, so I can focus on the promises and the love of God, let the love of God get in me, and it starts coming out of me. Are y'all hearing me today? Because some of you think, well, I'm just a mean old grumpy person. You're not a mean old grumpy person if you're a child of God. It might be the way that you're acting, but you are the love of God personified to a bunch of people. So we need to stay focused all the time of loving others because love covers over a multitude of sins. I'm glad he put multitude of sins. I was thinking this week, we were talking about someone in our lives that we really love that's kind of just... Gotten off track a little bit and I was thinking about them this week and I was thinking I was that person I was raised in church all my life But began to run from God and turn from God and I had a mother I had some family people that loved me in spite of the fact that I was acting like an idiot And what that reminded me of is that I can allow the love of God in me to help that young person cover over a multitude of sins. That's what love does. It's not, it's okay what you're doing. It's, look, I love you. Listen, here's a better path. Here's the path of life that God has for you. So offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Come on, man. Why? Because it's so important for us to be relationally focused for our benefit and for the benefit of other people. Listen, you say, I don't need people. Okay, maybe someone needs you. If God's calling you to be a part of someone else's life, don't you want to be a part of what God's calling you to? So what do we do in the end times? We think clearly. We mainly do that through prayer. We focus on people because people last forever. The third thing is we should make a difference. For focusing on the end times, we should make a difference. So watch what Peter says last, that the end of all things is near, so each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Do you realize today that you have received a gift? You have received a gift today. Y'all know I'm just funning with you, right? You have received a gift today, and use whatever gift you have received to serve others. God didn't give you a gift just so you could be impressive and go, hey, check this out, what I can do. No, he gave you that gift to serve others, watch this, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So Peter says to use the gift, use the gift that God has given you to serve others. Today is step four of the growth track. You know what we yell and clap every time because man we are so excited about this because it is one of the foundational pillars of our church It's a strategic anchor that we think will help us do all that God's called us to do In fact, we've got three steps to making a difference in your life. The first one is that you would know God That means that you would come to know God But even for those of us that already know God that we would continue to know God The second thing is that you would find freedom That you would understand the freedom that God actually wants you to walk in and and you do that through small groups. And then the third thing is that you would discover your purpose. You do that through the growth track. That's why we shout and cheer every time because it is the best thing to help you discover your purpose. And right now there are people that today they're gonna go through step four because they've already discovered their purpose. They they learned some stuff about their personality. And what's so cool about that is some people always thought they were kind of odd or weird or something was wrong with them. And then they discover, hey, this is just the way I'm wired. This actually isn't weird. And they understand their spiritual makeup. And so today, they're going to make a choice to get on a team so they can become a part of the dream team so that we can do what it is that God... So they can fulfill the scripture to serve one another. Listen, I want to say it again. God gave us a commissioning as the church This wasn't for the pastoral staff, it wasn't just for a few people, it was for us to go and make disciples that were making a difference in the world that God's placed us in. And So what do we do? Well, Pastor Richie, I can't preach or I can't lead this. Listen, you've got something inside of you that serving the body of Jesus Christ helps the body of Christ become, become discipled. It really is. It's a powerful thing that is on the inside of you. So today they're going through step four. So the Bible says to use your gift that God has given you. Listen, look right up here just for a second. You have something that God wants to work through you to impact people in these last days. Pastor Richie, I'm on plan B. You are not on plan B. Another lie of the enemy. Pastor Richie, I'm not qualified. You are qualified. You've been qualified because of Jesus Christ today. You've got something in you that will help you reach people, and it's about serving people. Going on in 1 Peter 4, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the words of God. He's just listing a few things here of what people can do. If anyone serves, they should do it with their strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And then it ends with, to him, because this is all about Jesus... This is not about us. This is just about us using the gift that God has put in us to bring glory to him. You know, y'all have heard me talk about this before, but when Jesus made his triumphal entry, when he, just before he was going to be crucified, he was coming in and they were singing Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. They were shouting praises to God. You realize he was riding in on a donkey. And when when he was coming in, you know, if the donkey wasn't careful, the donkey would be going, hey, check me out. They're all cheering for me. They're all cheering for me. Listen, we're just conduits of working through, working to do what God's called us to do. We're carrying the anointing into people's lives. We're carrying life into people's lives. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So if we're living in the last days, what should we be doing? We should be helping people find a friend for the end of the world. We should. I know, I know that some of you have some family members, some co-workers, some people in your life that you've talked to them and talked to them and you've, you're about ready to give up on them. I want to encourage you not to do that. Uh, about six weeks ago in August, uh, a buddy of mine came and spoke here, Mark Brewer, and he is the executive pastor at the Oaks Fellowship in Dallas, Texas. And he was somebody that I had the opportunity to lead him to the Lord. He, he says and shared the story that I told him he was going to hell. And and that's not quite exactly right and accurate. But what had happened is I had talked to him lots of times about Jesus in his life and the importance of having Jesus in your life and what he needed to do, receive Jesus in his life. And he would blow me off all the time. And I remember one time that he's talking about, he walked in and he was talking about the party that he'd been to the night before and how drunk they had gotten and all the, all the things that had happened and girls that he was sleeping with and all these things. And I, I caught him and I said, hey, Mark, I said, what do you think's going to happen when you leave this life? What do you, what do you think's gonna happen to you? He said, man, I'm going to heaven. And I said, listen, Mark, if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not going to go to heaven. In fact, you're going to go to hell. Listen, I said it kind and I said as gentle as you can to say that. And sometimes we have to actually speak the truth like that to people. And listen, he blew me off and he was mad at me. But about two weeks later, his grandpa got really sick. And he wanted someone to pray with him. I promise you, he didn't go find his party friends. He came to me and said, Richie, would you, would you, would you pray with me? My, my grandpa's sick and would you pray with me? And that was kind of the beginning of, of God really beginning to do a supernatural work in his life. So listen, don't give up. I want to encourage you not to give up on some family members, not give up on some coworkers. Keep inviting them to church. Keep talking to them about the goodness of God. You say, well, they just keep rejecting me. Listen, you keep planting seed. It's about them understanding they need a friend in Jesus. So how do we help people find a friend for the end of the world? Let me close with four things that we should be doing, and they're going to be real quickly, but catch these if you would. First thing that we should do is we should live for heaven. Live for heaven, not for earth. I know that we are a blessed people, and it's amazing the blessing of God in our life, but I'm telling you, earth is going to disappoint you. We need, we need to change from a temporal mindset to an eternal mindset. We need to make sure that we're not getting distracted by all these wonderful and good things. Listen, I'm not saying that they're not important and I'm not saying don't do them. I'm just saying make sure that the things of God, eternal things, are first and foremost in your life. That you are living for heaven. Listen, let's not get lukewarm walking hand in hand with the world. Amen? I'm telling you, even when this kind of began to stir up about the end times for me, I was kind of thinking, man, I want to see my grandkids. I really did. I'm thinking, man, I, I want to see my grandkids. And I thought, whoa, wait a second. I do want to see grandkids, but more importantly, I want to see Jesus. I want to, I want to live for a heaven, an eternal mindset. So second thing is we need to stand for Truth. You know, it's, it's an important time for you and I to be able to stand for truth. And I'm not talking about taking the truth of the word of God and beating people over the head with it. But I'm talking about letting them understand that Jesus is the way today. He's not one of many ways. And I don't care what popular culture says today and how, how attacked we may get in the media or from different celebrities. I'm telling you that we have the answer in Christ Jesus And we need to be willing to stand for truth and be willing to talk to people and and share truth and look for opportunities that God would give us the opportunity to speak truth into their lives. So we we need to prepare again like he's not coming back forever and speak the truth constantly, but we need to live our lives like he's coming back in the next moment with a sense of urgency. Third thing is let's proclaim the gospel. Not... Pastor Ritchie proclaimed the gospel, but let's you and I proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And let's proclaim it in as many places as we possibly can. Let's proclaim it in our services, in our small groups. But all of us need to get outside of these four walls and proclaim it to hurting families of Amarillo. We, we're going to continue to help the hurting families in Houston. And we're going to continue to help missionaries and send you guys on missionary um, events and, and itinerary things where you're going to be able to hurt, help some hurting people in all over the world. Let's continue to help people. And the f- fourth and final thing is let's prepare for His return. Let's first of all make sure that we're prepared for His return. I talked about this last week that most followers of jesus christ or people that that claim to be christians and want to be christians really love jesus the savior they love the fact that jesus died for their sins and he paid the penalty for our sins where we get challenged sometimes is jesus as lord that jesus is the lord of everything in our lives and just so you know if he's not lord of everything he's really not lord at all and you, and you can't actually separate that when you receive jesus and we need, we need to make sure that we're prepared, that we have surrendered every area of our life. And just so you know, it is a process because we'll pick things back up all the time and want to say, man, I, I want to be in charge of this, but we need to constantly be laying things down. We need to make sure that we're prepared. But secondly, we need to make sure that other people are prepared. We need to, to feel at some level of responsibility as stewards of the kingdom of God, to be the love and hope of Jesus Christ through the, the way we live our lives you know, I've shared this with you guys multiple times about my driving and, I'm, and I'm, my wife reminds me all the time, if you cut somebody off or they cut you off and you speed around them, you might be preaching to them in just a few hours. So why don't you be really careful? And by the way, I'm becoming a lot more mindful of that. But you know what, when I go in and I, and I sit at a table in a restaurant, I'm mindful of that young man or that young woman that I'm waiting on. I always tip them well. And every time I tell them what a great job they're doing. You know why? Because I want to be the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Because you know what? If they experience the kindness like that and suddenly they walk into a service and they see me, what do you think they're going to be thinking? Man, that guy was a big tipper. I want to listen to what this guy has to say. I'm telling you, we get that opportunity to be preparing other people simply by the way that we're living our lives. This past week, Pam received a text from a lady in our church. And I want to Kind of share it with you It was is in one of those seasons where we had an emphasis on inviting people Which by the way, I know we do special emphasis from time to time But honestly, it's the emphasis we want to have all the time For you to be able to bring your friends and family not just when we do something special But but here's what she wrote when I think of finding a friend It takes me back to about this time a few years ago when we had an invite a friend weekend I invited my parents and my mom invited my brother That one gesture, the one invite, the one service forever changed my brother's life. He accepted Christ and has never felt judged or uncomfortable and that alone is an important factor to his growth in Christ. I don't believe he would be where he is today had he not been invited. It's pretty powerful. That one invite provided him an opportunity to receive Christ. Listen, you never know who is one invite away, who is one conversation away, Someone who is even just one prayer away. You know, because sometimes we have people that are walking through stuff and we're like, man, that's horrible, I'm sorry about that. And we walk away when we could have the opportunity just to say, hey, would you mind if I prayed with you real fast about that? Because I serve a God that's big enough to take care of that. You never know what God might do. And you, I know that God can work without your prayer, but when it's, when God works and you prayed for it, they remember that God did something in their heart and life. And we never know. The opportunities that we have. Listen, we don't need to be fearful and anxious about this. We just just need to recognize in light of eternity, it can matter for eternity what we say and what we do. And so let's live like that every day. In fact, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.